Great. Hey, happy spring, everybody. Great to see you guys. I'm Pastor Tim, uh, welcoming you to our very short spring series called Dream Team. It's a short series we want to do kind of leading into Easter. By the way, who's excited for Easter Sunday? You guys excited about Easter? It is a pretty big deal uh, at Liquid Church. It's my favorite Sunday of the year. We're celebrating really God's greatest miracle of all. That's the resurrection of His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's an incredible uh, weekend. It's going to be a big day, really, at all of our campuses. Just so you know, it's going to be about a 60-minute service with some special music, an inspiring message about how we serve a God who's alive. He is not dead. He's still speaking. And uh, it really is the best day of the year to invite a coworker or a friend or a neighbor. People are very apt to say yes on Easter and come, so I want to encourage you to do that. And we've really made it super simple to attend at your campus. In fact, this year, this is we're hosting a record 17 Easter services across six campuses, all right? So you really got no excuse to not make one of them, all right? But you do need free tickets, so you do need to go to liquidchurch.com slash Easter because the tickets are free. We just need to know, like, uh, how many seats to save for your friends and family, so make sure you pick up those free tickets this week if you haven't done that. But before Easter, we need to complete Dream Team Part 2. I have exciting news to share with you. Last week, God moved in a huge way. He actually did more than we could ask or imagine. Last Sunday, we had hundreds and hundreds of people stand up and step up to serve on the Dream Team at their campus. So many people, in fact, we ran out of t-shirts. Can we hear for all the people who signed up? We thank God for you. You got a blue t-shirt. We did. We ran out of t-shirts, literally. We ordered extras, so we have more this week, so you do have uh, time to still uh, get involved with the Dream Team. But Dream Team is really just this extraordinary group of people who are using their God-given talents and abilities to change the world, particularly at your campus. Um, hopefully on the way in, you might have bumped into a Dream Teamer, maybe in the parking team, uh, who helped you find a spot, gave you a high four on your way in, or you were greeted by a family face, a friendly face who gave you a bulletin, made you feel at home, and, uh, or, and then you checked your child maybe into Liquid Family where they met their small group mentor, and uh, maybe you received a cup of warm coffee as you came into the auditorium. We just want to make you feel at home at Liquid. And now you arrived here in the room you're sitting in where worship leaders use their vocal and musical skills to lead us in song. And at the end of the service, we always have prayer team leaders who are here to encourage and support and walk with you wherever you need God's encouragement. That's really the heart of our church, and there are no insignificant roles. Every role is vital to our vision of saturating the state with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We like to say that teamwork, remember this, makes God's dream work. Yeah, so if you signed up to serve uh, last Sunday from my heart to yours, first off, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you um, for stepping down off the bleachers onto the field because we need you. Your strength really is needed in this church, particularly this spring. So when our team leaders um, email you or call you this week, please don't avoid their calls. Uh, please pick it up because we want to get you trained and onto the field serving as soon as possible at your campus this spring. And you're going to have a blast. I, I tell you this. Sometimes people are reluctant to like serve at church. Because I, one woman said to me, she goes, Tim, I served my last church. It was like they took a vacuum and put the suck onto my heart. <laughs> they sucked the life out of me every week, making me feel guilty about serving. We try to have the opposite. We want serving really be a really life-giving thing uh, to your faith. So we won't burn you out. You're going to serve along some of the finest people in the state. And I thank God for those of you who signed up. Now, if you noticed last week, everyone who signed up to serve, and you saw people walking around today in these blue Dream Team t-shirts, but had someone say, hey, no one really got an orange t-shirt. I wanted orange. How come I didn't get orange? Here's why. Orange is a special color. Orange actually represents 
Liquid Family, our ministry to the next generation, to kids and students. Can we hear for all of our Liquid Family dream teamers? We're grateful for them. We are a, uh, a young, growing church full of millennials and whatever they call the generation after that. Uh, from toddlers to teens, um, our nurseries are brimming with babies, toddlers, and elementary. In fact, this is kind of interesting. I told you, this spring we had over 1,000 children on Sundays, which is, which is just incredible to see. So understand, Liquid Family, this really is, I'm wearing one today, this is the future of our church, okay? We're raising the next generation of Christ followers. There, many of them are your kids. And today, I just want to cast a little vision for how we approach teaching the next generation. How, how, do we, how do we train kids to make faith their own? In other words, how it's their own, when, not just mommy and daddies, but when they leave for college and wherever else. See, right now, you guys know this, our culture is in a state of moral chaos. And thanks to social media, the next generation, I think, is, is facing challenges unlike anything that we've ever known. In fact, uh, in our town, there was a little Instagram drama this fall at our middle school um, if you have Instagram, I have an Instagram account. Like, I know some of the local kids. Like, they follow me. I follow them. Is that weird, by the way? Is that kind of, I guess, a little bit. I feel, I follow them, but not in, like, a weird way. Uh, so anyway, um, I'm, like, looking through the Instagram feed, and this middle school girl, she says, guys, this is so hard to say, but I have to finally come out and announce this. And she puts on Instagram, she says, I'm pansexual, pansexual. And then she writes, please, don't tell anybody, Okay. <laughs> Uh, and it's this moment where I'm like, okay, I don't even know what that means. And my daughter's like, yeah, I don't know what it means. It's like, well, let's just Google pansexual. I was like, wait, don't Google that. Bad idea. Uh, but I did a little digging, and this was in the fall when Miley Cyrus uh, came out, did an interview. Miley Cyrus, I think we have the headline there. She talked coming out uh, pansexual. I didn't understand my own gender and my own sexuality. And, and so I said to my daughter, I was like, no, so does this girl you know, have a boyfriend or she have a girlfriend or something? She's like, no, she's not allowed to date. I was like, oh, okay, uh, but does she even know what pansexual means? And according to Miley Cyrus, she was like, she goes, it's really, I should say, trisexual, meaning I'm willing to try anything with anybody who gives me pleasure. And this 14-year-old middle school girl, never having dated or anything, decided her next best step was to put on social media and announce that I am pansexual. And in the moment, you know, there's literally like three minutes, like literally hundreds of responses from all her friends giving a thumbs up uh, with things like, you are so brave. Uh, you're, uh, you're so full of courage. I'm so proud of you. And my favorite, your secret is safe with us. Yeah? Okay? Guys, that's the world that our kids are growing up in today. They are trying to navigate a, a, a culture in which identities are being radically redefined. Moral boundaries are shifting. They're very fluid. And it's broadcast and live streamed for the entire world to see. Do you feel the tension? There's a tension here. Raising kids today is not for the faint of heart. It's not without its tension. And in this moment of cultural chaos, my kind of question is like, well, how do you raise kids? To be full of grace, meaning they're not judgmental, they're loving towards broken people. But they're also grounded in truth because there's a challenge there, isn't there? There's tension for parents, for families, for teachers and mentors. My guess is everybody here uh, knows somebody in their life under the age of 18, right? Maybe you have a son or daughter or grandchild or younger brother, sister, niece, nephew, kids in your class, and you understand this tension. Like, how do you influence them for Christ in a culture that's increasingly hostile to Christian values? How do you, how do you help them make wise choices, like base their identity on who God says they are, not the labels that culture 
gives them. And how do you do it with like, like just winsome grace, like with love and understanding, not being a judgy jerk, while at the same time helping them understand God's truth? Today, I, I just want to talk to you briefly, not as your pastor, but I'm, I'm a father. I have skin in the game. In many ways, my kids are a product of liquid family. They've grown up in this church. And uh, when I think about that, I'm like, man, Kyle and I are blessed. We have a daughter in high school, a son in middle school. But it just makes me so grateful for those people who've caught the vision for raising kids who are full of grace and truth. In fact, really our mission statement at Liquid Family, our stated goal is to partner with parents to help your kids develop a faith that sticks. And I'm so thankful for like the small group leaders in my kids' life who've grown up with them. I think of my daughter's um, small group of high school girls uh, who they actually meet at our house on Sunday nights. And their mentors' names are Christy and Kelly. And they're two lovely 20-something women who love Jesus and they guide our group of girls. Because it's, it's at our house, I sometimes am in the kitchen getting food. I kind of overhear what they're talking about, you know. And last week they were talking about, you know, uh, the end of the Revelation 7 series and, and where's their faith lukewarm and where do they need to grow. It just made me so, like, proud and grateful, you know, for these two young 20-somethings who invest their lives guiding and mentoring our girls every week. And I love what this picture represents. You see that? It's the next generation mentoring the next generation. But there's tension here, too. Like, how do you help the next generation understand God's radical love and grace while staying grounded in the truth? That actually, while he is forgiving and loving, accepts everybody, he's also holy. And he wants all of us to live lives that are pure and blameless in a crooked and depraved world that celebrates immorality. Let me show you this tension that I'm kind of talking about. In many ways, our faith is founded on two things. On the one hand, the foundation of our faith is grace. On the other, it is truth. Can you say that? Grace and truth. If you've been around liquid any amount of time, you know these are two of our core values. We say grace wins, truth is relevant, and church is fun. Now, we didn't pull those out of thin air. We didn't just like come up with those to be clever. They're actually grounded in the Bible. In fact, in the opening chapter of the Gospel of John, these are the words God uses to describe the ministry of his son Jesus. Look what it says here in John 1. Uh, Go to this verse 14 if you want to in your Bible. It says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son. This is Jesus, who came from the father full of what? Grace and truth. Now, what what is grace? Here's what it is. Very simply, it's the radical love and kindness of God for broken people. When we least expect it and when we don't deserve it, God gives us grace. He loves us and he forgives us no matter what we've done or what we're doing. And to prove that, he sends his son Jesus to die on the cross. Grace says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's like, here's how much I love you. Look at Jesus. Look at my son on the cross. It's God saying, I'd rather die than live without you. That's grace. That's powerful. But what is truth at the same time? Here's God's truth. That all have sinned. You know who that means? All's y'all including me, have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So as God's children, our lives are not what it's meant to be. The truth is all of us are prideful and self-centered at our core. This whole world is broken and bent by sin. We are prone to wander. The truth is sin separates us from God. The truth is our sin deserves death. The truth is only Jesus lived the perfect life we were supposed to live. And so he's the perfect substitute. And here's the truth. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one gets to the Father except through me. Truth. See, grace and truth are the peanut butter and jelly of the gospel. You can't have one without the other. It's the yin to the yang. They're the twin pedals on the bike, which Jesus perfectly embodied. But look what the Bible highlights. Which one came first? Jesus came from the Father full of what? Grace, then truth. And it's interesting. If you read the Gospels and study the life of Jesus, you will find that any time he engaged broken people, he always led with grace. Grace first. The tender mercy and compassion of God before he spoke God's truth into their life. Like the time that woman was caught in adultery. Do you remember that story? Right, where this, this woman's having kind of an affair and these guys, the Pharisees, they drag her out and throw her down before everybody and they're like, stone her. Why? She broke one of the 10 commandments. She shouldn't commit adultery. And they're like, rock party, we're gonna stone her. And Jesus steps in. He's like, whoa, 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 so not so fast. He's like, before you throw a rock, I got a question. Which one of you is without sin? You get to go first, right? And, and all the Pharisees are like, <gasps> and they kind of slink away. That's why we love Jesus, right? Grace wins. And he reaches down and he helps this woman up. This is the holy son of God. And he says, he says, where are those who condemn you? She says, they're not here. And he says, I don't condemn you either. That's grace. But wait, before she leaves, you remember what he says? He says, now go and sin no more. The truth is, you stole somebody else's husband. And that's offensive to God. He's been faithful to you and you're not holding your commitments faithful to others. And God does judge sin and wickedness. So you need to change. That's the truth. But he led first with what? Grace. Isn't that interesting? Grace is tender, but truth is strong. And for vital Christians, here's the key, guys. For those of you who are mature in your faith, you need to lead with grace and back it up with truth when you speak into someone's life. And that means there's going to be tension in your life. There's a tension here that requires balance. Did you guys get a rubber band on the way in? Pull out your rubber band if you got it. Don't shoot it at me. Hold, pull out your rubber band. God, just like this, stretch it out. Did, did you not, does anybody not have a rubber band? Raise your hand if you don't have a rubber band. Raise your hand. Who's, does, you don't have one over there? Okay, there you go. Over here, anybody? Without the rubber band in the back? Okay. Why, oh, I just, sorry. Grace for me. I hit you in the face. I apologize. Okay, you got your rubber band out? Okay. One of my favorite things to do is just put it like this and just go, oh, okay, you got your rubber band? Notice the tension. You got it? You, got te- you see the tension here? Okay, look at that. Now, here's the deal. If you ought to raise a kid or a family that's grounded in grace and truth, there is going to be tension. In fact, I'm going to use a big rubber band. I got a big orange rubber band here to illustrate this. If you ought to raise a, a child of grace, that means you have to have a child who you raise to be compassionate but you also want them to have convictions. And so that means there's going to be what? Tension. Because without grace, all you would have is truth. And you know what truth is without grace? It's legalism. (laughs) It's religion without heart. And it stings. Have you ever had somebody just tell you the truth, like without loving you? What happens? You get judged and it stings. Put this on your wrist. Go ahead, put it on your wrist. And now go like this. Oh! That's truth. It stings. You ever have someone judge you without even really knowing you, right? And you're like, I will never, you know, go near that person again. I avoid them. That's truth without grace. But watch, without truth and you only have grace, it leads to license, meaning there's this anything goes mentality. And you're like, well, you know, 
You know, God loves us, and you can pretty much do whatever you want because he loves you and I love you, and gosh, even if you, you know, sin, he's going to forgive you anyway, so, you know, who cares? How's that working for you? Creates moral chaos in a kid's life. You then have a child who grows up without moral boundaries or a rudder to actually navigate life. And so many Christians today are uncomfortable saying yes to this tension. They don't know how to balance the, tr- the, the two of these. When I, when I say say yes to the tension, what I mean by that is balancing what John says here of grace and truth in dynamic tension. A lot of Christians, and I grew up in kind of a church like this, we mess it up. They think the first thing you got to do is hammer people with the truth, right? Here's the Bible. This is what God says. Why aren't you doing it? Ugh. Now they feel guilty. And then we're like, why don't you get grace? Gee, I wonder why, right? You have to say yes to the tension and embrace grace and truth if you want to be just like Jesus. You have to do it in the order Jesus did. Look how John actually underlines this twice in his gospel. In verse 17, he says, For the law was given through Moses, but what? Say it together. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So what comes first according to the Bible? God's grace. But don't you dare neglect his truth. You need to live in the tension between these two, and it will stretch your faith. But that's how you produce healthy, mature, balanced followers of Jesus. Kids, watch. Kids who have compassion for broken people and yet still live with conviction in a compromising culture. See, guys, isn't that what you want for your, your kids? That's what I want for my kids. I want them to grow into adults in this culture. is dark, it's violent, it's anti-God, it's hypersexualized. But I want my kids to be super compassionate, being comfortable loving and accepting everyone without approving of everything they do. Remember in Revelation, we said, hey, there's a difference between acceptance and approval, right? There's a tension here. Because you follow Jesus, he is calling you to love, embrace every single person, no matter what their background or outlook. doesn't matter if they're single, married, uh, divorced, single again, uh, gay, straight, bi, uh, you know, whatever Miley Cyrus is, I don't even know what that is. And that's what we try to do as a church. Grace wins. That means we accept everybody here. Everybody is welcome. But we don't approve of everything they do. For heaven's sakes, God doesn't approve of everything I do. (laughs) I'm the pastor. But thank God, his truth is changing me. See, to be a Christ follower in the 21st century means you embrace, you say yes to this messy tension. As a redeemed child of God, you have to have compassion for all people without compromising your convictions. You're tender and loving, but you're also strong and principled. Does that make sense? Nod your head if you're tracking with me, okay? Because this is our philosophy of ministry at Liquid. If you're like, what's different about our church? This is it. This is how we train our leaders at Liquid Family. Parents, this is how we teach your kids and students. We want to raise a generation who is just like Jesus. So if you're a parent, you need to say yes to the tension. If you're a grandparent, you need to say yes to the tension. If you're a a teacher or a mentor, you got to say yes to the tension because it's the only way you'll win the hearts and the minds of the next generation. You have to love and lead like Jesus who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Amen? Now, let me build on this and share with you quickly a few other core convictions that we want your kids and my kids to walk away with. I want to give Reggie Joyner credit for this. At Liquid, we want to make sure our kids know without a shadow of a doubt that they can know God. That's our goal, right? 
We want them to know God designed them, God created them, God loves them, and they can know God personally. Through faith in Christ, they can know him as a father, that he loves them, that he's intimately involved, he has a purpose for their life, plans not to harm them, but to give them hope in a future. That's what we want them to know. And we want them to know that they can trust the Bible. This is what we're building. We want them to know scripture is true and it's God's word. The Bible isn't a collection of like man's best thinking or sticky statements or Oprah maxims. It's like it's the truth of God and this is authoritative. It's the father communicating his heart for humanity. And we actually believe the Bible has the final say about what it means to live rightly in a culture that calls good evil and evil good, okay? And, and we want your kids to know they can, they can trust. They can trust God. And if you trust him, it will lead to stronger faith. In fact, if you want to experience God's leading, you need to start trusting him with the decisions and all the stuff in your life. And you will see that God's character proves trustworthy. And we want your kids to enjoy church. We say church is fun, right? Because for me, it was not fun. It was boring as the hills. And it's really a lot of times full of judgy people, right? But we actually believe the next generation should feel like, oh, the one place I go to talk to real people who are authentic and like are open about their real life is the church. Not full of religious hypocrites or full of phony people. They should feel that the church is the safest place for imperfect people. And should, we should be able to laugh in church. That's why we say church is fun, right? We take God seriously, ourselves not so much. And when our kids grow up, we want them to choose a lifestyle based on the ideals of God's word. Now, I say ideals because ideals are how God designed things to ideally work, okay? They're based on principles. And if you, if you if, for instance, if you follow God's principles, you will have a better marriage, you follow God's ideals, you'll have better relationships. You follow God's ideals, you'll make better financial choices. You'll make better decisions on everything because God created the world and he designed how they're supposed to work best. And last of all, at Liquid Family, we want our kids to understand that God is good all the time. Amen? Even when life doesn't make sense or, or there's suffering or things that go wrong, we want them to know that God is their father and he is involved in their life these are the stack of core convictions I want my kids to have, your kids to have, our grandkids, our children together and families. And here's the deal. If you wear this orange t-shirt, you know it. We are channeling all our energies, helping them embrace and eternalize these truths. But there's a problem. Here's a problem. Today, young people are leaving the church in droves. In fact, according to one recent statistic, 50% of all young adults will leave the church after high school. How many know somebody went off to college and never came back, right? 50%. And here's the, the interesting thing about this, okay? It's not just like, um, you've probably heard in the news, the rise of the nuns. They're calling them nuns, N-O-N-E-S, like none of the above. 18 to 30-year-olds who are checking off none of the above, saying they have no religious affiliation or interest in spiritual faith whatsoever. And here's what's remarkable. Five years ago, 17% of 18 to 30-year-olds doubted the existence of God. That's actually pretty normal. Like all generations, like boomers, busters, you know, Gen X, all that, it's always around 15%, 17%, five years ago. Fast forward to today, five years, 32%, it's almost double, of 18 to 30-year-olds doubt the existence of God. 
Now, this doesn't mean these kids didn't believe at some point. What I think it means is that somewhere along the way, they, they may have went to church, but they didn't have an adult in their life who said yes to the tension. And they only heard one side of the story. And then when life came crashing down, because it always does, so did their faith. And the reality, guys, is I can think of so many people in my own life. I think of, who have walked away from the church. I think of Gary, my friend from high school. Gary, uh, he grew up in the church, married, went to a Christian college, married a Christian girl, and then a couple years into his marriage, his wife left him. And so Gary, listen, Gary, who goes to church, goes to church, and he's hurting and he's wounded. And instead of be, by being met with compassion and grace, he's met by people who said, Gary, don't you know the truth? God hates divorce. Why'd you do that? Well, you know, don't you see, know what the Bible says? Why didn't you trust God? Um, you know, this is really, this is not God's best for you. In other words, in a moment where he's bleeding and lying in a ditch, he got the hammer of truth, and Gary walked away from the church. He said, I can't go to a place because I, I fell short of now the ideal. I guess I'm damaged goods, and there's no grace for me. It happens all the time. There's a friend of mine named Kathy. She emailed me, and Kathy, um, she sent me a link to this photo online. as a news article of these kids who were having, like, um, they were picketing, a gay rally. So it was Christian kids, and they had these picket signs with all sorts of like gay slurs and nasty stuff, like, you know, God hates fags, all that kind of stuff. Really nasty. And so she emails me, and she goes, Tim, look at this. She goes, this is why I don't want to be associated with Christians, because they discriminate against my friends, and they don't practice what Jesus preached. They think it's just okay to hate on people. You know what Kathy did? Kathy said, I'm gone. I don't want to be associated with judgy jerks, many Pharisees in training. There was another friend of mine who, when she was in high school, her grandma got sick. Grandma's a very strong believer, one of the reasons she's a believer. And grandma got sick, and, and she really struggled with it. Like, why would a good God allow my grandma to get sick? And they prayed. They, had, they trusted God. They had faith. They prayed that she get healed, but she died. And when she brought it up to some of the Christians in her small group and said, you know, we trusted God, but God didn't heal grandma and she died. You know what they said? Well, that's because you didn't have enough faith. If you had just trusted God enough, he, he probably would have healed your grandma. So I think it's partly your fault. And not only instead of just getting judged, she got the message that there's no room for questions in Christianity. There's no room for doubt. There's no room for the, the tension, the messiness. And so she was gone. She walked from the church too. Final guy I know, uh, Scott. Scott is a Bible-believing Christian, but he's also a scientist. He got an undergraduate degree in biology, wanted to go on to study uh, and get his master's. And uh, he said one night he went to his group, his small group, and he brought up the topic of evolution. And he was like, you know, it's, he goes, you know, I know there's like creation, there's evolution, he said. And, and he said, but as a scientist, he goes, you know, isn't it possible that like maybe God used evolution as the process by which he created things? And Scott said, Tim, it was like I laid this big steaming turd on the table that no one knew what to do with. They were like, oh, because science is the enemy of Scripture, isn't it? Like, if you believe something like that, da, da, da. and so, like, they, they were literally like, oh, you just they shut the whole thing down, you know? And, and, and like, he was like, what? what? Like, he, they treated him like, let's, let's pray together, you know, and especially for Scott, who's a heretic, uh, you know? And so Scott got the, because he's like, I still love Jesus, 
but I'm going to leave the church because it's impossible for church people even to have a conversation and be open-minded about talking about a different perspective. Guys, there are so many people who've walked away from the church, and I think largely it's because as a kid in middle school or high school or college, somewhere along the line, the adults in their life who were supposed to embrace the tension, they leaned on proclaiming the truth but forgot to balance it with what? Grace. And by failing to embrace the tension, they failed to model Jesus. And so we're living this generation of people who are walking away from the church, but not from Jesus. They may still believe Jesus died and rose again, but they don't see how it makes a difference in real life. And they failed to say yes to the tension, and somehow it divorced it from real life. And so parents, like, parents, like, whoo, I'm a parent. I'm like, whoa, warning to me. Sometimes in our zeal to get kids to embrace the truth and, and draw sharp boundaries, we fail to embrace the grace that moves it from their head to their heart. And then all of a sudden, our faith loses power. Go back to the rubber band. Can you pull that out? Take the rubber band. Now, go like this. You can see, right? Powerful. There's energy right here. There's tension. But now watch. Just hold it between one, one, one hand like this, right? Look at it. Wimpy, right? <laughs> In other words, when you remove the tension, it has no power. When you remove the tension, there's no energy. When you remove the tension, there's, no, there's a power outage. The power actually is only restored when you stretch the thing. Oh, now there's tension. Now there's power. And we tell our leaders, you know what? When you want to grow a kid's faith strong in the Lord, you have to say yes to the tension. Problem is, most of us don't like tension, right? <laughs> a lot of us don't like it because we think it waters down the truth, but that doesn't. Think about it. The mercy of God doesn't water down the justice of God. It amplifies it. The love of God doesn't water down the law of God. It amplifies it. Truth is only watered down when you divorce it from real life. So understand, tension actually makes truth more real because when you hang around leaders who are working through like real life issues with real kids and they're embracing all the awkwardness and messiness, that's when you see that kids grow by leaps and bounds. That's when their relationship with God actually becomes real. Just ask Alicia Del Vecchio. She's one of our high school mentors. In her 20s, she said, yeah, I want to be part of the dream team. She made time in her life. She said, I'm going to mentor a group of high school girls. And at first, the girls in her small group they were quiet. They didn't really want to talk about stuff. But Alicia said yes to the tension and, and created this incredible grace-filled environment for our girls where it was safe to ask questions and wrestle with doubts. And that's when their faith came alive. Watch this story. So I heard about serving on the Liquid Family Dream Team three years ago. I remember when I first started as a mentor, it was took so much effort to get these girls to come to group, to open up, to share, to talk. It was like you could drop a pin in the room. It was that quiet. But now there's nonstop talking, nonstop laughing. My biggest problem now is how I'm going to fit all of them in my car to get them to the experience nights. So we went from four girls having to try and convince them to get in my car to go. And now I need, it's a huge coordination of getting three to four different drivers to take us. I remember going on the spring retreat with the girls last year, but I remember the girls were excited. We packed a whole backpack of food. Our group just eats all the time. Um, people think high school boys eat a lot. They definitely have never been to a high school girls group before. Um, but I think 
One of the coolest things was to see them all come together on this retreat weekend and to see how much fun they had, that they legitimately enjoyed being in each other's company. And on top of it, God just moved in such a big way in our spring retreat last year and to see them all personally affected and now praying for their faith to grow, that was one of the biggest surprises because I never expected teenage girls to be praying or concerned about their faith growing. Um, so that was a really cool surprise for me. Um, I love that when we get to group, the girls are so happy and excited to see us that they all start talking at the same time, telling us stories and laughing over each other. It's like we can't get to each one fast enough. And I love that each week they love coming to group, that they will text me throughout the week if they can't come for any reason and they apologize and they're sorry and they feel like they're missing out. Um, so the best part is just that these girls truly want to be there each Sunday. And when they show up with that attitude, then God can do the rest to just help grow us and bless our time together. So being a mentor has affected me in every aspect of life. Just in my own faith, it's grown my faith, it's grown how I see the world, it's grown my relationship with these girls and just how I feel about serving and volunteering and getting to see them grow in their faith and see them overcome their struggles has encouraged me greatly and it's been more of a blessing to me than I think it could ever be to them. Can we thank Alicia and all the mentors she represents? She's an incredible leader. All of you wear the orange t-shirt. I'm just so proud of you. Uh, as you can tell, Alicia is incredibly smart, very, very committed. She's the epitome of a dream team leader who's really all in, and she loves her girls fiercely. In fact, two of her girls moved out of state last year, and they are flying back to New Jersey to go to the spring retreat. That's how strong the bonds of love and friendship are in her group as they pursue Jesus together. You know, Alicia would be the first to tell you that that tension has, has stretched her faith as a high school mentor because tough stuff. You deal with real life issues. There are challenges and living in the tension isn't easy. It will stretch your faith, but that's how your faith grows. It's like working out. You stretch and break your muscles and then they grow back stronger. So parents, I want you to know we are committed to providing quality, consistent leaders for your kids and students through their elementary, their middle school, their high school years. And we want them to be your biggest cheerleader and fan. At Liquid Family, we really believe that when we partner with parents and you get other adults who say, I'm on your kid's team, I'm rooting for them, I'm pouring into them, that's when their faith becomes their own. Teamwork really does make God's dream work. And I wanna challenge some of you today to join the family dream team at your campus. In fact. Like Alicia, we put a response card in your program today. Can everyone just pull this out a minute? Open up your program, pull this out, use it as a fan, just wave yourself a little bit as I talk about this. And here's the deal, I wanna encourage some of you because I know some of you, right, you're looking at this and you're like, man, this is so true. I wish I had a mentor like that when I was in middle school or someone who cared about me when I was in high school. If that's you, that's God speaking to you. That's him saying, come down from the bleachers, join the family dream team. So if that's you, just fill out your name here. We're going to send you information this week. You're not fully committed. You're just saying, I'm interested. And let us know because, guys, the next generation is craving an adult in their life who will come alongside them and help them navigate the tricky waters of adolescence. And you don't have to be like in your 20s and like hip and cool. You can be very uncool and be an awesome mentor. In fact, we got a bunch of 60-year-old uh, folks who are like, you know, they're, they're empty nesters. They're like, we already did our kids, but you know, we know a little bit about tension. <laughs> and so if that's you and you have a heart to do that, sign up and let us know. We're going to collect these in just a few moments at the end of our service. I hope you 
catch our vision for this. At Liquid, we're passionate about the next generation, and you really have to balance it, this compassion with all these other core convictions. Now, here's the deal. Some of you are taking pictures of the stack of books. You can't do it yet. You've got to see this stack. You see, there's got to be balance in this. And so I want to end by showing you the yin to the yang, the, the, the truth, the conviction that we balance with grace and compassion, but there are some other things. And Liquid Family wants your kids to know beyond a shadow of doubt that they can know God, but also we want them to know that God is a mystery. At the end of the day, we tell your kids, we don't know everything there is to know about God. You know how I know that? I have kids. And I had to explain to a fourth grader what the Trinity was like. Good luck with that. We want them to know that God is also a mystery and there's room for questions, okay? And you know what? In Liquid Family, we're going to teach their kids that the Bible is true all the time. But, this, but listen, at the same time, everything true about life is not in the Bible. Listen carefully. Everything true about life, actually, the Bible doesn't speak to, to, to everything. For, for instance, if you open the Bible, what does the Bible say about social media? What is the Bible's position on gun control? <laughs> What's the Bible say about global warming? Instead, we want to teach your kids the Bible and then teach them to think biblically about life so they can take that to whatever their culture or context is. We want them to think biblically about these things and be okay and not threatened when people introduce new ideas to them. When you're grounded in the Bible, you understand science is not the enemy of faith, for heaven's sakes. I always, I always hate that because people will be like, they'll bring an article to me, they'll be like, did you see what these scientists claim they discovered? I mean, if, they, if that's true, then, you know, maybe we'll doubt God or something. I'm like, I don't think that. Whenever I see something new in science that's discovered, I'm like, so that's how God did it. You know, you don't have to check your brain at the door to be a Christian. And we encourage our kids to learn the Bible and then learn all there is about this world that God created, all the different disciplines. And we're going to teach you to think biblically about all of it. And we tell your kids that trust is the foundation of a strong faith. But you know what else makes a faith strong? Doubt. Doubt. Doubt is not toxic to faith. You know what's toxic to faith? Unexpressed doubt. They say in the middle school and high school years, when a kid has doubts and gets the message they cannot have that or ask those questions, that's when their faith starts to fall apart. You know what, parents? It's okay to express that you have doubts too at times. I had to do that this past week with my kids. So um, Colleen's grandmother died. Uh, last week. She was 84 years old. She uh, fell, she cracked 10 ribs, and she never made it out of the ICU. Um, and so yesterday we had a funeral, and so we had to drive up to Connecticut. And one of my kids asked me, I said, Dad, you think May May is in heaven now? May May is what we call her. That's French for grandma or something like that. And um, I will, I'll be honest, I, I of course, you know what I wanted to say. <laughs> I want to say, absolutely, she's in heaven, but here's the deal. May May had like a very colorful faith. She grew up Catholic, and so she knew about Jesus, but then she also fell in love with Mary Magdalene, and in her life, she actually came to believe that Jesus was married to Mary, married to Mary Magdalene, and she had a stack of books, about 27 books about Mary Magdalene, in addition to the Bible, and she fell in love with Mary Magdalene. She said, that's, that's my saint, and that's who I'm going to pray to, and then middle of her life, she actually embraced some New Age philosophy, moved to Arizona where there was healing crystals and she had all these healing crystals around her apartment. And when she was in the ICU, she asked us, could you bring my Krishna statue? She's got like an Eastern Christian statue. You know. And so my kids go, dad, do you think May May's in heaven? 
And man, I wanted to just say, of course, she's in heaven with Jesus. But I had to look at my middle schooler and my high schooler in the face, and I had to say, guys, honestly, I don't know. We know May May believed in Jesus, but she believed a lot of other things too, didn't she? And my son was like, yeah, she had all those statues down. I was like, well, listen, we, we don't want to judge, but, but, but here's, here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. Here's what I know for sure. I know that Jesus is good, and we can trust Jesus. So how about this? How about we trust Jesus to do what's best for May May? I said, yeah, that's all right. Let's do that. And then we prayed. Do you feel the tension? That was not an emotionally satisfying answer. But I gave a very powerful example to my kids that it's okay to have doubts and not know all there is about faith. It's okay to ask questions and still trust in the goodness of God all the time. Amen? That's what I want for your kids and for my kids. And the reason this is important, parents, if you're like, oh, I don't know if they can handle that. If you don't allow middle schoolers and high schoolers to have their own doubts, they will never own their faith themselves. They will only go as far as mom or dad go, and then they're like, mom or dad won't talk about that stuff, and so I guess faith doesn't really work that far. So you be honest, you share your own, and we, that's what we do. We, we process their doubts because we want their faith to be their own. And we teach the next generation to enjoy church, and we say, you know what? Enjoy the culture. Engage it. Not the dark, violent, anti-God part of it, but we believe church is fun, and you know what? The culture should be engaged. I'm talking about culture, like art and music and people and the world of ideas. Because here's why that's important. Sometimes Christian kids are like in this little church bubble over here and then, they're like go to, then they go to college and they go crazy because they've never been in the culture before. Here's the reason it's important. At some point, your kids are going to grow up and start liking stuff that doesn't seem very spiritual to you. So parents, don't freak out if they like Bruno Mars. You freak out if they start liking Miley Cyrus, but you don't freak out about Bruno Mars, okay? Freak out if it's country music. Then you pray. You get down on your knees for them, Okay. But you got to keep this tension because one day, listen, they got, you got to teach them how to be discriminating, discerning consumers of culture. So one day, by God's grace, they can be creators of culture that's redeeming. That actually glorifies God. And if you want to stretch a kid's faith, then yes, you tell them that God has an ideal. But thank God, he also uses broken people. Amen? Isn't that encouraging to you? That even when we fall short of God's ideals, thank God he uses broken people. He's a God of second chances. You know why that's important? Because some of your kids are going to try to live up to this. And at some point, they're going to hit a wall and they're going to mess up because of life. (laughs) And at that moment, mom and dad, you know what you want? You better pray. There's another adult there who pulls your son or daughter aside and says, you know what? Let's go look at the Bible and see how many people messed up and let's see what God did with those broken people. He did something incredible with them. When I look at my family and I read the Bible about the people God used, I feel better about my family (laughs) because God loves using broken people to accomplish his purposes. So parents, listen to me. If your kids feel like they can't live up or they can't measure up, they're in danger, they will give up. But if they realize there's a soft place to land and God uses broken people and you say yes to the tension between God's ideal and the broken world, then their faith will grow strong. And you know what? Here's the last thing, last idea. We make sure your kids know that, yes, God is good. And secondly, so are you.
because you are made in his image. I'm not saying people aren't born without a sin nature. We're all bent and warped and broken, prideful, self-centered to the core. I think we got the message. But you are made in his image, and you're a child of God. And that means you have the Holy Spirit in you, which gives you the power to live rightly in a world and be conformed to his image. What's the whole purpose of life? That you will become like Jesus. None of us will ever be perfect in this life, and that's okay. But one day you will see him face to face, and you will be as he is. Amen? So right now, what do we do? We do what Jesus did. We feed the hungry. We care for the poor. We take care of the sick. We do all the good we can to all the people we can to give all the glory we can to God. Amen? I'm not talking about trying to earn your way into heaven or make God like you or something. I'm talking about a grateful response for all the Father has done for us in sending Jesus Christ. That's the tension that we are training the next generation to live in. And we need all the help we can get, guys. We need mature, spirit-filled believers who understand it takes teamwork to make God's dream work and say yes to this tension together. So here's what I want you to do, guys, before I pray for you. Why don't you take your orange band right now? Put it on your wrist if it's not already there, and I want you to wear it the whole week. Wear it in the shower, the whole thing. I want this to be a reminder for you of something important. Parents, mentors, teachers, something very important. Never forget this. Our kids are watching us. They're watching you. And if you want to stretch their faith, then you better give them this and this. But for heaven's sakes, you better first give them this if you want their heart to one day open to this. And if you give them both grace and truth, they will have the heart of Jesus. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace and truth today. Holy Spirit, right now, be on every leader, every mentor, teacher. We have over a thousand dream teamers in Liquid Family, God. I thank you for their sacrifice. Would you bless their families, Lord, their efforts? I thank you for, uh, for the, the women who are pouring into my daughter, into, into my son, Father God, in middle school. We want them, this next generation, to rise up, Lord, not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of their minds. So start with us, God. May your grace and truth find great, um, great rich soil to be planted in right now for those who are stepping forward to be part of your dream team at Liquid Church. May all the glory go to Jesus Christ, our Savior, and all God's people said together, amen, amen, amen. Can we hear it one more time for our dream teamers? Thank you, guys. Hey, sit down. Just keep seated for a second. Before you go, I am going to call our ushers forward. They're going to collect these cards. And so if you're here today, this resonates with you. I would encourage you, just drop, just let us know. If you're like, I'm not even sure I can serve every Sunday, that's okay. Put your name on this, and you can check a box wherever you want to be involved. And here's one thing I do want to say before we collect the cards here. One, one sec. Some of you are sitting here. I can see it. Some of you are like, oh, crumb. I signed up and got a blue T-shirt last week. I wish I had heard this message because I would have signed up for Liquid Family. It's okay. We will switch t-shirts with you, okay? I'm not, I'm not fooling. If you're like, you know what? I want to serve in the Clean Water Cafe, but having coffee with a 16-year-old, helping her navigate a dating life, I feel like God's called me to that. We will actually exchange t-shirts. So no harm, no foul. Just fill out that card and you'll notice it talks about Liquid Family, special needs buddies. We serve a wide variety of kids. Asperger's, uh, you know, autism, ADHD, Down syndrome, you, you know, anything in, in that spectrum there. High school, Sunday evenings, we need mentors. We even need host homes, like Colleen and I open our home for a small group. Maybe you're like, I can't give the time to the kids, but I can give my house and snacks. 
Warning, they will eat you out of house and home. I promise you, we know that. So if that's you, just fill out that card, drop it in the bucket. Ushers, would you go ahead, pass those buckets, drop it in there. And as I do, I'm going to call up your campus leader for some final instructions before we dismiss you.